Welcome to Apple at Work, podcast all about Apple and the enterprise. Bradley Chambers here, as always. Back on the show is frequent guest Tom Bridge from our friends at Jump Cloud and the uh, Mac Admins Foundation. Tom, uh, welcome to Apple at Work. Hey, thank you so much for having me back on. It's always a thrill to be with you and uh, to talk about the stuff that's facing all Apple admins everywhere. So, you know, you kind of wear two hats. Um, you work for I do. Also with the Mac Admins Foundation, which we've talked about frequently, but we want to put your Jump Cloud hat on first. Um, you really, you get, you all have had uh, some some cool announcements as we you know, look to the end of the year with uh, Jump Cloud Go, and I uh, thought it would be good just to have you on to talk about what it is and who it's for. Absolutely. I, when we think about the world in which our, our, our people live every day, how many times do we open up a browser and have to log in every day? I mean, I, I think about all of the key systems that I use here at Jump Cloud, like Salesforce and, you know, Miro and Google Workspace and Slack sometimes even. Um, and, you know, the first thing I do when I sit down on a computer is I open up a new browser and, oh, I got to log in again. Uh, we think at Jump Cloud that that should be a less frequent occurrence. And we're joining a large number of people out there in the industry who agree with that. We, because a managed user on a managed device is a, you know, a really known workspace uh, for your organization. Uh, and especially if you're working on a company-issued laptop that is managed by Jump Cloud, on a user whose password is managed by Jump Cloud, we should be able to use your screensaver password as a gateway to, uh, you know, trusting you for access to third-party applications. And so at JumpCloud, we built JumpCloud Go as the safest, most secure login that's also super easy to use and super fast. So that when you log in to, you know, when you get prompted for login, all you need is a touch ID fingerprint and you're done. This is a factor that uh, that really focuses on being a, a high level of uh, assurance for your organization so that you can know that was Tom Bridge on Tom Bridge's laptop uh, and has direct passwordless access to all of those key applications that we use every day. Uh, you know, the number of times I've had to type my Jump Cloud password since we've released Jump Cloud Go has dropped immensely because I, you know, I use one of those extended uh, Touch ID keyboards. So that means I've got the external sensor on all the time. And it means really when I access my Mac on Monday morning, that's the first time I need a password because then it'll have been two and a half days since I shut the lid on my laptop and went off to enjoy life. Uh, I, you know, at that point, don't need to type my password again until the following Monday uh, because everything else that we're doing, I'm doing with through Touch ID and through biometrics. Uh, and it's a phenomenal experience for our people. It saves them so much time because you're saving 25 to 30 seconds a login period, and you're doing that multiple times a day if you've got your session uh, length set correctly for a lot of these applications uh, because they do have a lot of you know private information stored in them. Um, being able to do that with a device-backed certificate that is unlocked by your, your biometrics uh, is a really, really great way to uh, ensure that you have a, a really private experience with your data without having to type lengthy passwords, go and find your phone and do an MFA. We think that Jump Cloud Go is a really a huge in, uh, increase in user productivity, not to mention appreciation of their uh, IT admin because they don't have to worry about typing in a massive password all the time. I... I don't know. Gradually and suddenly is the is the best way I can say this about password listing. You know, we just I just saw an article yesterday that a Dashlane is ditching the master password for their password manager, and like you do wonder that that's like you know it's you do wonder 
like, what does this look like in 10 years? Like is like literally having a password for anything. Um, is that like just archaic? Um, and then, you know, looking at your docs and I, it's it really kind of hits me. This is as much like on the, the networking cloud app side is this is what Apple and Microsoft have built into the hardware. So this requires a Mac OS device with secure enclave and the window size, it requires something with the, you know, trusted platform module. And so you're seeing this like end to end authentication from SaaS app down to the hardware that like, I honestly would not have believed would have been possible. Um, and I, I guess this is like one of the benefits of like people thinking ahead where I maybe wouldn't have like, this is pretty cool. And I, I think from a compliance standpoint, this is pretty critical because this is not even just relying on, say, a password manager with like an MFA. Like this is like you can, I mean, I guess some of this stuff is hackable, but like, you know, when this is tied to biometrics, it, you can just add another layer of like, you can assume even further, like this is actually, this is Tom Bridge. This is Bradley Chambers who's attempting to log in. Regardless of, I mean, you think about it, the, the one thing you quote unquote cannot spoof is my fingerprint or my retina. I mean, maybe like in the Mission Impossible movies. But again, if we're worried about things like that, we have other problems. But like, well, exactly, right? I mean, I think, you know, when it comes down to looking at a lot of this stuff, what we decided to look at was how can we make a truly phishing proof, uh, you know, credential use, utilization platform? And we've been working on this a long time. We think that, you know, really in a lot of organizations, they're working in managed browsers, they're working in managed browsers on managed devices with managed users. This is a no-brainer, and we try and make it as easy as possible to set up. It's one button inside of the Jump Cloud Admin Portal to set this whole thing up, deploy this out to your entire fleet, uh, and you know get to the state where you're just using your fingerprint to access all of your key applications without having to use your password all the time, or without having to use a fishable second factor like TOTP codes or uh, even MFA push to our protect application on your iPhone. I still use that from time to time when I'm not logging in necessarily to like when I'm logging into our HR system, for example, like ADP is what we use for payroll here at Jump Cloud. If I want to go look at my pay stub, I still need to do a, you know, username and a password and a, and a multi-factor. I'm not going to have that on my personal laptop when I'm doing my taxes or whatever. Um, and so, you know, when we think about it from that perspective, uh, we still want to be able to provide access to lower security applications. And we give our customers the full control of that using our conditional access policies for single sign-on. Uh, but we really are focused on making the most secure single sign-on solution on the market today. And Jump Cloud Go is a huge way for us to get there. And in 2024, we're going to be bringing that to mobility as well so that we can rely on Face ID uh, on your iPhone or, you know, your iPad or maybe even the Vision Pro as we get into the Vision Pro for 2024. Um, we think that there's a huge opportunity here to really make this a great experience for everybody out there, no matter the device that they've got, uh, to be able to safely and securely access their key work resources, no matter how their device is managed. Uh, we think that there's a, a huge market opportunity here for organizations that want to be secure, that want to go towards that zero trust phenomenon or that philosophy that uh, really basically says, I don't trust every, I don't trust you every time. I want full verification every time you go and look at this act uh, this resource. So, you know, we are hard at work on bringing that to mobility and there, we'll have a lot more to say about that in 2024, uh, but we're starting with iPhone and iPad. 
uh, because we think that that represents the, the the best possible experience for so many or- organizations out there who have you know p- either they're issuing iPhones and iPads to their staff or they are you know bringing their own iPhones and iPads to work. Uh, and wanting to use them with secure applications. I know that, for example, I have an iPad Pro on my desk that I use with to take notes and to uh, manipulate, uh, you know, roadmaps and Miro diagrams, all of those kind of things. And I do most of that on my personal uh, kit because I, it's mine. I love it. I think it's a great tool. But that means also means I can't access a lot of Jump Cloud resources because we require that Jump Cloud devices, uh, you know, be used to access Jump Cloud resources. Uh, and so I'm really excited about expanding that out to the BYOD use case as well. Uh, And so we've got huge plans for 2024, and I'm really excited for it. This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Mosul. Deploying, managing, and protecting Apple devices at work shouldn't be difficult or require several solutions. Mosul is the only Apple unified platform for business. By combining enhanced device management, endpoint security, Internet privacy and security, single sign-on, enhanced app management into a single Apple-only platform. Businesses can now easily and automatically deploy, manage, protect their Apple devices automatically with one solution at an affordable price. With a solution for every business size and the best support in the market, start a free 30-day trial and see firsthand why Mosul is more than an Apple MDM. Mosul is everything you need to work with Apple. To learn more, visit business.mosul.com. That's business.mosyle.com. Thanks to Mosul for sponsoring Apple at Work this week. Obviously, you all serve a lot of uh, MSPs, and that's it's a big, you know, big, big part of your business. Um, what's what's the MSP result here? I mean, this seems like something that that MSPs would love. You know, it's going to be great to offer their customers because I actually have a somewhat of a prediction. I mean, one of the things I keep reading about is, is industry that's going to be upended is uh, is cyber risk insurance, and that it's like going to be drastically harder to get cyber cyber risk insurance in the coming years because it's. I hate to say it, that people are having to get insurance companies are paying out too much, and insurance companies don't make money when they're paying out. So I I, I wonder if like things like this are actually like this kind of end to end, everything is you know protected by a biometrics is actually going to be a key factor. And like, you know, you're not able to get cyber risk insurance unless you can implement, you know, policies like this. So like, what do you think about that? And then like, how, what's the MSP uh, result of this? Sure. You know, we're obviously well aware of the market trend that, you know, it's harder and harder to get cyber insurance requirements, uh, you know, taken care of for your business. A lot of small business owners are saying, this is getting really onerous. I need a great solution for this. We think at JumpCloud that managing your devices, your identities, your SSO applications, all from one platform is the simplest way to handle that kind of the, uh, that location in the marketplace. Uh, and so if we think about that, we've been partnering with a company called Coalition out on the West Coast. Uh, and their cybersecurity uh, risk profiles are are very much in line with how we think about our policies here at JumpCloud. Uh, and so, you know, we're excited to be, you know, talking with them on a more regular basis about one, what are the things that cyber insurers need to be able to make easy for their customers, for example? Because here's the thing, it, nobody gets involved in insurance because they love the risk profile, right? Like we're here to provide a service and make a surety bond between a company and their customers, between a company and their policies. Uh, and that's really the great role that cyber and security insurance has in the modern marketplace. Um, when we think about those kind of things, it's important to go hand in hand between, you know, the insurers, the tool makers like JumpCloud and the businesses out there that are adopting JumpCloud uh, to really make it a great experience for all parties involved. Uh, 
And so, you know, if you look at our policy groups that are available by default out of the box with just a couple of clicks, a lot of those settings are settings that, you know, we've run by our partners to say, hey, does this feel like it passes the smell test for you? Is the encryption on? Is the firewall on? Are you setting up some basic guardrails uh, to prevent your users from misusing the machine, for example? Um, and then going down that pathway, we have a, you know, a huge uh, play within the market to make a really secure environment uh, where, you know, jump cloud password policies are really, really strong. Having the ability to use passwordless biometric based authentication like jump cloud go to authenticate and authorize your sessions is really, really important. And we think that a lot of small businesses and medium businesses that are outside that are out there need to develop these kind of uh, coping mechanisms, especially when they can easily deliver the kind of attestation that they need to their insurance partners to say, we're using this technology, this tech, here's the white paper on how it works, go take a read. And so we did publish a great white paper on Jump Cloud Go on what makes it a very secure factor for accessing all of your key company resources. Specifically, it meets the highest level of assurance uh, for an authenticator. Uh, it's an AAL3 uh, authenticator uh, that we've built here. Um, which meets the highest level of security that NIST currently certifies. So, you know, when we look at the kind of guidelines that are out there in the marketplace, we want to be the most secure single sign-on environment that's out there. And it doesn't matter who our competition is. You know, when we look at people like Okta, who've had a rough year in the security market, when we look at Microsoft, who's had some rough conditions within the marketplace, uh, you know, we think that Jump Cloud's got a really solid offering here. Um, that is the kind of offering that a lot of small and medium enterprises need to be able to quickly adopt um, without having to, you know, pay the tax of working with a large organization or, or working with an organization who has a lot of internal technical interface debt. Uh, so here at JumpCloud, that's what we're really focused on. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where machines scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security. But instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity. But user devices can roll right through automation. But user devices can roll right through authentication with but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means employees can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off or hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Octa-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. To learn more about Collide and to watch a demo, visit collide.com slash apple at work. That's C-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash apple A-T work. Thanks to Collide for sponsoring Apple at work this week. I, I have friends that are MSP owners and um, we've been hearing for years how, you know, how they're going to take more of a market share. But and I think so much about what makes a great MSP great. I'm thinking like a smaller regional one, even just you know local one is getting access to the best technology. But then you kind of have that local on the ground 
a hand you can shake um, relationship. And, and I think that's, I think that's the best world. I mean, to me, the, the, the beauty of the MSP market, if, if you have a, a one you really, really like is, is not necessarily, you know, a turnkey operation set out that relationship. I mean, regardless of how great this technology is, the companies I like to do business with because I like the people and, you know, mm-hmm. always, you always heard, you know, people, people are the ones that use technology, people buy it, people sell it, people support it. Um, so fantastic. We're going to have more, uh, we'll have more about jump cloud. Go we'll have a link to the press release uh, and the Johnson will have a link to the docs as well. Uh, but no, it sounds like, it sounds like a great release. And um, yeah, again, there's a lot of, I think this is like one of the rare times when like the industry is working together. Everybody's has a different flavor of how they're handling Passport, of course, but like I think as an industry, we are moving into like a really, really healthy place um, because really the enemy, the, the your competitor isn't uh, in some ways like the other vendors in the space. It's hackers. And well, that's exactly it, right? Like a, a marketplace that adopts phishing proof credentials that, you know, like pass keys, for example, uh, for primary authentication. And, you know, we've obviously paid a lot cl- very close attention to what Google and Microsoft and Apple have uh, released in tandem uh, for all of their platforms, which is to say strong pass key support, which is me, which, by the way, the same technology that powers Jump Cloud Go is the same technology that powers uh, pass keys in a lot of ways. It's public key, you know, infrastructure. Uh, and, you know, figuring out how to safely and securely store the private keys and secure enclaves on Apple devices or TPMs on Windows devices or secure elements on Android devices. Those are the same kind of technologies that are proven to be the kind of technologies that everybody ought to be moving towards. It's just going to be a question of how do we make this a every time factor? And then how do we also at that point decorate that same factor with more information based on the device itself. A lot of passkey interactions is just proving that you are who you say you are. At JumpCloud, we think we need to go further than that. I want to prove that you are who you say you are on a device that you're that we can prove belongs to you and that has a bunch of software on it that is appropriate to the to the corporate environment. Like whether or not your corporate antivirus software is working or whether or not you've encrypted the disk or whether or not you're on the most recent version of the operating system. And so those are the kind of things that are that are coming for JumpCloud go in terms of that kind of attestation for a custom, you know, uh, a, um, excuse me, for a conditional access policy for key resources. I, I've said this, and I think I wrote an article about this. Well, I know it, I'm not, I think I wrote, I know I wrote an article about this. I, I still think one of the most critical things in the password and security industry that happened in, in my career is when Apple made a point to say that touch ID did not sync and it did not make sense to me at the time. Like it actually would have made sense to, it would have been easier to sync it. And like, you know, and like, Oh, we're securing it in the cloud. Like, nope. Like I think because they did that users have an inherent trust of biometrics on device because they, they know that when I get a new device, I have to set it up again. And I think that's kind of set the standard for the industry that like, mm-hmm. We're going to use biometrics and not store it outside of the device. And you're going to have to set it up with every new device. But it made it kind of made it where it was like the very trustworthy. The hardware manufacturers built ways to secure it. But then it just didn't sink anywhere. Because so, I don't think like in 2024, if you told people like, hey, use your retina scan on device and we're going to sync it to all the other devices. Like nobody would use that. And they shouldn't because that is a honeypot to be hacked. And yep. then we just, yeah, it's like that, that decision alone. And gosh, what year was that? Maybe 2012. 
2011. I remember the the keynote about that when Apple was like made this like big deal about the secure enclave and it's local, 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 local. Like it would have been in some ways functionally better to sync that everywhere. Like you could have made the argument from a feature perspective that could have been like, oh, we're going to sync it to the cloud, then you can log in with other computers instantly. Like no, it, it, so it's uh, it really just I think it's fantastic. Um, so transitioning, so let's put on your your Mac admins. Uh, what um, what do you want to see from Apple in 2024 on the hardware point of view, Mac OS, iOS, or even on the MDM side? Well, I, I will say, as someone who you know is is looking lovingly at a at a shopping cart full of an M3 uh, MacBook Pro. Uh, you know, right now, like I'm, I'm thinking about pulling that trigger, right? Like I, I think that Apple had a really phenomenal hardware year in 2023. I think that there are things that I'm excited for in 2024, though. I'm really excited for the prospect of an M3 powered MacBook Air. I think that that computer would sell like hotcakes. I think that they couldn't keep up with demand, especially in the corporate market where, you know, the M1 uh, MacBooks that were all, or MacBook Airs rather, that were all released in that first year uh, back in 2020 are approaching the end of their cycle. Uh, and we think about that, or they're already maybe a little bit beyond their cycle, if we're honest. Um, you know, in a lot of organizations, you know, there is a huge amount of pent-up demand for that. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what they can do with the M3 MacBook Air. I'm kind of, I can't wait to see what they're going to see in terms of battery life, especially on the 13 and 15 inch, or excuse me, on the 15 inch rather. Um, that's the one I'm really excited to see. Uh, I'll be very excited to see how the Vision Pro does. Uh, this is one of those, like, I, Apple's making a big deal out of this one, and there's a lot of really cool technology in there. I'm a little bit of a VR skeptic, um, and so I will be excited to try one on and see what I can see in terms of that. I may or may not film a little bit of uh, spatial video over the break here uh, and uh, see if I can capture some of that in preparation to study uh, that in 2024. Um but, you know, when we look at the corporate market, um, if you watch Fletcher Previn's uh, uh, talk at JNUC uh, from this past year, which is now just out on YouTube, so I strongly recommend that folks go watch that. Um, organizations uh, are recognizing huge benefits for adopting Apple products within their environment. And, you know, when we put aside the cost uh, of the actual hardware, because you can really put it all, all aside in terms of the TCO. Look at the Cisco at the Mac at Cisco calculator that they released as part of that talk, for example. Um, organizations are adopting Apple like crazy, uh, and it's really really exciting to see all of those companies who are opening up employee choice. Uh, you know, we recently did a survey of the Mac admins podcast listeners, uh, and I asked the question, it's like, hey, does your organization have an employee choice program? And the answer was resounding. More than half of the listeners that we talked to have some form of employee choice. 30% reported it's company-wide. Another 22% reported that it was uh, for specific departments. Uh, so the fact that employee choice is, is becoming a story that's really resonating with the uh, marketplace, uh, especially with productivity gains that are available only to the users who are picking the Apple products. I think that the hardware that we've got out there right now um, with its incredible battery life, and I'm talking here across the board from the Apple, from the iPad to the MacBook Pro to MacBook Airs, which, you know, barely touch their battery in a given workday. Um, you know, it's so powerful for an organization to adopt these kind of hardware platforms and empower their users to do incredible things no matter where they want to work, whether that's at their desk or at the coffee shop or at the park or out in the field. Um, 
having great opportunities for great hardware. Uh, and we just have an embarrassment of riches right now. Yeah, I you don't know this, but the time this will be released, the article will be out. We at 9 to 5 Mac, we chose the 15-inch MacBook Air as basically the Apple product of the year. And like again, I I I'm of the mindset of like the MacBook Air is the most important Mac in the lineup because I think it kind of like is your it's your bulk buy, it's your entry level, it's your average person. And I think over time, especially with Apple Silicon, Apple has really elevated that the power of it. But, and I think, but what I think is the 15 inch model made it, there's a lot of people that just 13 inches too small. And so there's, yep. a, there, there's, there's a world, there's a world where that 15 inch is the perfect computer for anybody. The only thing lacking today is that M3. And I would love to, you know, I think for me as a, as a you know, technology nerd, I would love to see it have obviously the M3, then also Wi-Fi 6E as well. I think that's, that's, uh, I think Wi-Fi 6E is a pretty critical upgrade uh, mm-hmm. not just for speed but for just for uh inter- the the, the well, getting rid of the interference and you can it's, you yeah know, that's much easier that's it more than anything else i mean uh, six six gigahertz wi-fi is no faster than it's five gigahertz brethren it, it's just the reality of the effect um but the fact is uncontended channels is really the huge victory of Wi-Fi 6E. And so I cannot wait for that to be global across the line so that organizations can update their uh, existing Wi-Fi networks on their next refresh uh, and really kind of bring that uncontended network access. That is the biggest problem that corporate Wi-Fi faces is a lack of clear air. Um, because again, right. Wi-Fi is a half duplex medium. No matter how much we want to pretend it's not, well, your Wi-Fi network can talk to one device at a time. It's just really good at attention shifting. Um, you know, we think about it, you know, as the ultimate expression of ADHD, right? I mean, I was going to say that is what the network traffic cop, uh, that is your Wi-Fi access point is handling. I, so I think I'm, I'm assuming by summer or so we'll see a, a teenage MacBook Air. And I, I think it's one of those where, that may be the closest thing you could ever get to a perfect computer. It would be a 15-inch MacBook Air M3. Maybe we can get rid of eight uh, gigabytes as the default on the the RAM. Um, it's like I can remember these periods in Apple's history where it's like we gotta get rid of two gigs, we gotta get rid of four gigs, and it's like now it's like all right, we gotta get rid of eight. We gotta get that default out. We gotta get the default 16. Give me a a default at 16, maybe a five to a gigabyte storage. Wi-Fi 6E, maybe the first best computer of all time. And again, this is the computer that enterprises buy in bulk. And That's as right. the air has gotten more powerful, you're, I've actually have, have heard through little birdies that like there are organizations who used to like only buy pros when they are seeing a greater shift of buying airs because the air accomplishes things that the pros that used to, you know, pro user or semi pro user needed the, the MacBook Pro for. Now they can do all they need to do with the air. And then people love the uh, body sound again, like this, there's just great computers. So, um, yep. and again, I think we're in a really cool spot. USB C's coming everywhere. Like we got the phones. It's like, it's good. Uh, I'm of the different mindset on the vision pro. Like I'm not interested in that at all. Um, and I, I don't think I really ever talked about that publicly. I just have zero interest in staring at screens anymore. And I've got, yeah. I'm like, I feel like I'm at peak screens and what I would love to see is like this is my dream apple product is airpods and i want like the airpods pro of with like built-in cellular a a version of siri that is beyond anything we have today where like you know if i wanted to say listen to music listen to podcasts i wanted to like imagine where you could just like join a zoom call from your airpods pro while you're like driving and there's like no phone needed like i want to see where i think we thought we thought the watch would become 
like the next thing. I actually want to see the AirPods Pro become the next thing. Like I want a version of the AirPods Pro that is like anything we've seen before. And like where that way it's it's passive audio. And it's like you can have technology in your life that's not actually not distracting where you get a phone call, you take it, you know, you may, and maybe you just have like one in, you know, throughout the day. But like that's actually what my wants to see the future technology. I want like less screens and more passive use of technology um, in my life. And maybe that's me. Maybe that's like me being, you know, almost 40 and like having a you know, <laughs> person that stares at a laptop all day long. Um, I like when I get done with my work day, the, the last thing I want to do is like put something on my head. But again, not everything yeah. is for me and I have to recognize that. Um, well, but I just hey. think like in some ways the world has enough screens and we need to have like more, you know, touching grass. And I think a version of the, you know, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a, maybe it's a watch and AirPods combo, but like I want to see, and I know I have unrealistic expectations on battery life. I just want to see the, the AirPods Pro come to the next level uh, with cellular, better battery, all the things. But again, we'll get there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know, count me as someone who feels the other way. I don't think that, that it's possible in a package that small. I mean, if anybody can do it, Apple can. They're the masters of the industry in that regard. Um, I think that if anything, might, we might see an updated AirPods Max that maybe have a little bit more flexibility in this regard. But I mean, when we think about uh, you know what it, it interface is, what we've struggled with Siri. Uh, right? Like we've all had a really rough time in terms of like Siri hearing us properly. I think that hearing us properly has gotten better. Um, but processing the results maybe still has a ways to go. Um, and I'll be excited to see that how that evolves and develops in 2024. Uh, as someone with, I, I think our last count was something like seven uh, home, uh, you know, pods, whether they're home pods or home pod minis. Um, we have really kind of embraced that as an interface for our house. Uh, and, you know, it is a great way to, you know, pipe music places and to have an intercom because it's great. You know, we set up our basement with uh, with a really just a display as the TV for or as, as the, the monitor for an Apple TV uh, with a pair of uh, home pods mini. And that is kind of like our basement entertaining suite um, that my son sometimes uses. And so it's an easy way to call down uh, to the uh, to the basement and say, hey, dinner's ready, buddy. Come on, uh, come on up and uh, join us or set the table. Um, but, you know, when I think about the things in my life that are, you know, important, I, I actually think the watch is the better experience here. Uh, and the more likely participant, you know, if we look at the Ultra, uh, the Ultra's got everything that you're talking about. It's got a small screen, which, again, isn't useful for a Zoom call, which is fine. But it does handle audio pretty well, especially to a paired set of AirPods. Um, and I think that the watch is, is, is a much more likely, uh, you know, a, a experience there, if only for the amount of processing power that you can fit into that system in a package. So I think that, you know, maybe we see an enhanced, you know, watch OS. We've started to go down that path with watch OS 10 uh, in 2023, which got a major revamp, including, by the way, uh, declarative device management for the Apple Watch. I can totally see a, uh, you know, expanded platform here for organizations to build their environments. So you, you're just you're living watch only or you're living watch plus a phone that you can walk away from. Uh, in 2024. And that's the thing that I think excites me because as much as I do like going out and touching grass and my son's scout troop is a big part of that, um, you know, is uh, it's still the availability of a small screen when I need it and a solid voice interface when I don't. So I think that if anything, I don't see us abandoning the uh, watch in favor of an AirPods audio only experience. Uh, I just don't think the market's ready for that yet. That's good. That's, um, I think, you know, the key for guys like you and me is as we get older is to 
stay curious, uh, even when things oh, yes. are not for us, and uh, and like recognize that like, hey, I don't like this, but the market still likes it. Um, I think that's just like that ability to stay curious and stay hungry, even if I don't. I don't love it. Um, but anyways, we'll see. We gotta stay we gotta stay young, Tom. We're getting old and we gotta stay young. I feel you. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll wrap up there. Uh, Tom, thanks for coming on. We'll have some links about Jump Cloud. Go in the show notes, go check it out. Uh, particularly if you're in the MSP world, I think it's a critical thing to add to your arsenal. And we will see everybody next time. Thanks, Brent.